right, folks, welcome back to another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast that you ever heard in your lives and your multiple lives past and present. You know what I mean? Uh, there's no coincidence that when I say present, I'm reminded of mostly ghostly because what a gift to the world. You know what I mean? What a gift to the world, right? We're, we're starting off real strong today. You know what I mean? And uh, Ray, how you doing? I'm doing good. I like it. So today's episode, we're going to talk about something that we kind of got into in the past a little bit. A little bit, you know, we had a big episode that got a lot of uh, views and listens, rather, since it's podcast. Um, and uh, when we talk to some of the folks out there that like the show, this one always does come up. The, you know, the are aliens really demons discussion, you know, in that episode. Um, and this kind of plays into that a little bit, I feel where um, it's alien abductions and the paranormal, the crossover, you know what I mean? And uh, it's very common for you to think that an alien could be a, a some type of paranormal deal, you know? I know they, the, the whole alien and, and the angel aspect of it, which that could be another episode we could do, is kind of, you know, that's there too, the fact they come down from the sky and... I've heard many people talk about thinking, you know, that God, God himself, or itself, you know what I mean, to be politically correct, God itself is an alien. I'm sure you've heard that before, right, Ray? Oh, yeah. Uh, I've heard about that for the divine, for angels, for just about everything. By description, it probably would be an alien, though, you know what I mean? But, anything, well, if you go with alien, anything different than us, yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're, they're right, you know. But uh, today we're going to get into some alien abductions and the paranormal and how they kind of relate, you know what I mean? You know, among the most influential and widely known alien abduction is the story of what happened to Betty and Barney Hill, an American couple from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. You know, that's local to us. We definitely know about them folks. Uh, who were reportedly abducted by extraterrestrials while driving back from a vacation in Montreal, Canada. The, Brett, the hitman Hart, uh, hopefully he didn't sharpshoot him. The couple described being taken into an alien spacecraft where strange surgical operations were performed on them. The couple could not initially remember the incident, only waking up to discover that they had traveled 35 miles without any memory of the last two hours. Now, that's very paranormal because, you know, we'll, we'll often talk about on the show, you know, there's time slips and such where uh, things kind of, you feel like you could take a drive that regularly would take you three hours and you get there in an hour and a half, you know what I mean? Or uh, the time we, me and my buddy went into that mental hospital and it felt like we were in there for seven hours. And when we got out, we were only in there for like three hours. So like well, that type, yeah. uh, I got family out in Ohio and we were taking our and families kind of spread out mm -hmm. in central and southern and we were taking the southern route to stop there first and calculated out that it should be about 12 hours now we swung around down down taking a southern route going through a part of Kentucky just the edge of it and there was a section there where we were, you saw what looked like a small mountain, uh, either a big hill or a small mountain. It was big enough to have houses on it. Yeah. And we went around a corner and suddenly there's this tunnel in front of us. So we go through the tunnel. Mm. Now we had checked, you know, how are we doing? Oh, we're, okay, we're 10 hours out. Should only be a couple more hours across the border. We're in the southern Ohio. We're there. Okay, we only got a couple hours left. Go in the tunnel, come out of the tunnel, and okay, wow, that was a long tunnel, yeah. So, take a look, all of a sudden, it's, we're at the 14-hour mark. Like, where did those four hours, what happened? Yeah. We don't remember what happened. But suddenly we went one in, the, one, one, in one end of the tunnel. And it wasn't, it can't be a four-hour tunnel. It wasn't. <laughs> right, right. And come out the other end, it's four hours later, and we decide, okay, uh, 14 hours in a road, should have been near two hours ago, time slipped away. I think we're going to find a room and just chill tonight. <laughs> kind of let, let this pass and finish the trip tomorrow morning. Right, no, I'm with you. Where, where'd that time go? 
I feel time slips are more like a dimensional thing than a paranormal, even though, you know, and I do kind of d- differentiate between the two of them. To I, I agree. That that was, that was more of a paranormal, more of a portal type of thing that yeah. you, you went through rather than a time slip. Yeah. You can't see them. Portals are crazy business, you know what I mean? I but, find uh, it cur- curious that abduction case you're talking about happened on the way back to Montreal. Yeah. And I have family that have a place up in Maine. And we were up there one time. And this is a secluded cabin on a lake. You got to get down a dirt road. We were going down that one time. We had to stop and be very careful. There was a huge moose in front of us. There's a moose, bear, wolf, everything. And we're out back. We're looking at the stars. And you've got three of them moving in unison. Yeah. And then we're cut back at a 45 degree, cut back at another 45 degree, and then take off at high speed. There isn't a plane, there was no noise, so it wasn't a chopper. And uh, these three lights, and it's no way a plane can make that sort of move. It's kind of like the reverse of doing the Zorro thing, the Z. Yeah. Going along, and it's kind of like, uh, and I looked at my wife and I said, uh, we just saw a UFO, right? She goes, yep, okay. Just wanted to check. I wasn't the only one seeing it. And the rest of my family saw it. It's kind of like, uh-huh. And then I found out it's it's fairly common up there. Yeah. Well, the hills, um, the hills are alive with the, the sound of music. And our, our, the, the couple, uh, the hill couple over here, and it was only through hypnotic regression that they recalled encountering extraterrestrial beings, you know what I mean? Which is interesting. They kind of had them block it out. They kind of men and blacked them a little bit. Uh, characterized by uh, disproportionately large foreheads and black opaque eyes. Although the couple returned to their normal lives after undergoing extensive uh, hypnotherapy, they continued to discuss the incident with friends, family, and UFO researchers. Uh, that's definitely something you don't, you don't just forget. And stop talking about, you know what I mean? I uh, I know I wouldn't, that's for sure. They returned to their normal lives. That's nice. Since Betty and Barney Hill's encounter in 1961, the alien abductions have become a widespread phenomenon. A study conducted by the uh, sociologist Dr. Ron Westrom suggests that nearly 4 million Americans have been abducted by aliens at some point during their lifetime. It's a lot. Um, Four million? Huh? Four million? Four million. It's Whoa. a lot, but not what you think of how many people there are. Uh, U.S. Had, well, if you're looking at the U.S., you get a little over, over 300 million in the country. So, yeah. So, it's one of those deals. And uh, those are just the ones that came forward. Think about uh, the... I, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was just thinking about the people that refuse to even talk about it because they feel like they're crazy or they've, they've programmed themselves to think that that's crazy talk. Crazy thought. I, I agree. I think there's probably a small percentage where you got copycat people seeking notoriety. But I think some of them, are, once someone else comes out and says it, and it starts popping up. People like you said who are afraid to say anything because they thought the world would think they're crazy. Yeah. Uh, decide, like, okay, it's okay to tell my story now. So more more keep coming out because they feel more comfortable saying it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, that, that first one comes out and then the other people go, Whew, happened to somebody else too. Now I can tell somebody. <laughs> That's true. And there's also the exploiters, of course. You know, uh, there are many explanations for these alien encounters. Some believe they are a result of sleep paralysis, which we've gotten into before, which would be pretty intense. You know, the feeling of people on top of you and seeing people that aren't there, or are they? Uh, or they are part of an undisclosed military project. That's an interesting take on it as well. Uh, never, but, you know, either, either way, the phenomenon remains an intriguing mystery that is yet to be fully uh, explained or understood to this day, this current time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, the sleep paralysis is it's could it could be it's it's very interesting. You know what I mean? It could be it could be a mixture of uh, any one of the things, and that's what makes for the the, the best little 
you know, things to investigate is when the all when there's more than just more than just black and white. You know what I mean? There's multiple colors that it could be a handful of different things realistically and, you know, really putting some thought into it is uh, some good times. You know what I mean? So let's get into the paranormal connections. You know, many people are unaware that there's a close relationship between alien abductions and the paranormal. Dr. Richard Boylan, a clinical psychologist at California State University, has studied alien abductions for several decades. His book, Close, uh, Close Extraterrestrial Encounters, Positive Experience with Mysterious Visitors, which he put out in 1994, uh, he insists, you know, he, he listed 20 characteristics associated with alien abduction several of which uh, include the, the reception of tele, uh, telepathic messages and the development of psychic abilities. Um, you've seen that in movies all over the place as well. But, yeah, definitely, because I think, you know, they, have the, they supposedly have this bigger head, they're smarter. Um, people say they never really see them communicating with each other. They're all kind of just know what they got to do type deal. Kenneth Ring, professor of psychology at the University of Connecticut, has also found that many abductees report an increased sensitivity to electromagnetic fields, enhanced information processing capacity, and the development of psychic abilities. Yeah. Which, well, uh, what, do you, what do you think about that? Well, if you're talking about, we've mentioned it before, most people recognize it, is that... Uh, We've, we only use a small part of our brain. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take some advanced race that uses a greater degree of their brain, um, then you're talking about the telepathic abilities, you're talking about the mind control communication, you're talking about all of that. Once you encounter it, the possibility exists there that you are changed by it, and now you can do some of those things that they can. Yeah. You can't do the encounter opens you up to be able to do that. It makes you more psychic, so to speak. Yeah, I'm with that. It's also common for abductees to experience a greater connection with friends, family, and the environment. I think that's more so the fact, you know, they're happy they're alive. You know what I mean? They're happy they survived it. And uh, when you have, like, near-death situations, you know, you always kind of walk away appreciating life and what you have and, uh, that's what that kind of sounds like to me. You know what I mean? Uh, the renowned alien contactee and author Whitley Stryber claims that many abductees experience paranormal phenomena as part of a wider spiritual transformation. You know what I mean? I'll quote him real quick. He writes, what basically happens is what the witnesses whole sense of reality explodes. That's what they, uh, the people become psychic Uh, They begin to believe that they can see into the future. They acquire wisdom and new compassion. They become deeply concerned with the welfare uh, of the environment. Well, you know, that kind of goes with, in in movies and all that, there's that that way they they perceive alien life when they come down and they tell humanity that they need to get their shit together. You know what I mean? And not, you know, not kill each other off and be so greedy and kill off the earth and stuff. And you know what I mean? And a lot of people speculate that's why we don't have a true uh, encounter, true crossover is because humanity is, you know, kind of seen as this kind of violent animal. You know what I mean? That why would you want to, why would you want to come down and meet them and show them all these things? Because, and they'll only just end up using it for bad type deal, which is kind of scary and sad at the same time. You know what I mean? The, uh, the Did you want to say something? Did I cut you off? No, I, I agree. I mean, we're kind of like the, uh, the fish in a fishbowl. Yeah. They, want to, they want to see uh, how we're going to do and how we're going to handle it before they kind of dump anything on us and let us know there's something outside that fishbowl we're in. I mean, it's smart. We have a bad track record, I feel. So it'd be kind of smart for them to do that. If they wanted, you know, a, a civilization that doesn't want their species to, uh, to, to, to go bye-bye would think that way. You know what I mean? I say good for them. Kudos. Uh, the connection between alien abductions and the paranormal 
has been extensively studied by Denise Stoner and Kathleen Martin. Uh, in 2012, the day, uh, the year that everything was supposed to go kaplooey, for y'all that remember that, the independent researchers conducted a study in which 75 alien abductees were given a multiple choice questionnaire and asked their personal background, religious, spiritual beliefs, and other relevant information. Uh, questionnaire, multiple choice questionnaire. What's your take on that? You think that's more so they could just e- it'll ease them into the right answer they want them to say? Or you think that, that there's a actually good reason for that? I think that as soon as you give someone a choice, they're forced into a box. I agree. Uh, to pick one of, one of the solutions that the researcher already came up with. Yeah. You know, it's A or B. I and mean, if the person's thinking C, they're going to pick one that's close to it, but not necessarily the same thing. So there's a slight misrepresentation in there. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like they're trying, there's a different test really going on somehow, you know what I mean? Like they want to know how re- people with certain religious and beliefs think feel about entities and such like that. Uh, they also completed a survey which contained 16 fill-in questions relating to their abduction experience. According to the data, uh, 51% experienced paranormal activity for the first time following contact. 89% reported uh, receiving telepathic messages from their extraterrestrial visitors. And 72% claimed that they were more sensitive to their surroundings, uh, surrounding environment. Um, They also had a, a pie chart of how many people preferred Mac and me over ET. But that was a different story. Um, <laughs> now, all these things here, though, you know, the fill-in question, at least they're kind of, it sounds like at least they're getting, letting them, uh, letting them explain their story a little bit. Um, but yeah, the 51% experience of paranormal activity for the first time following the contact. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an energy, I think. Like, the, I think uh, the higher, higher beings would be able to figure out how to kind of use for energy as a tool more so, you know, even more so than we do, you know what I mean? Uh, 89% reported receiving telepathic messages from their extraterrestrial visitors. I think, you know, a lot of this is all kind of the same thing. I think it could, you know, all fits into the same category. A lot of the stuff that happened to them, they're just, it's an, almost an enlightened thing where they can, their reach of communication is more, you know what I mean? claim they were more sensitive to their surrounding environment. I really think that that is a near-death thing. You know what I mean? Because I don't know what to think of. Whenever I hear that whole deal with aliens coming down and saying, okay, you need to clean up the earth and treat the earth right. Like, of course, absolutely. We need to. I just don't know if they'd be the ones coming to say it. And if they are, they're... uh, very good people. They're very good, very good individuals. Um, they're probably too good for humanity to mesh with. You know, again, I don't blame them for holding us, uh, holding us back a little bit. Uh, not quite wanting to jump into the pig pile with us. But uh, we got some poltergeist, poltergeist, poltergeist activity rolling out too. Uh, one paranormal phenomenon commonly associated with alien abductions is the poltergeist activity. In a study conducted by uh, Simon Brian Harvey Wilson, forename banger right there, 11 abductees were randomly selected from an abduction support group in Australia and interviewed about their alien encounter. Wilson found that many subjects had experienced unusual activity in their homes following contact. Uh, it's almost like they, they got fought, you know, the paranormal, like with Mothman and stuff we've talked about. And even with aliens, I feel they... You're meeting them for like a reason. They're ta- almost like an animal in the in the woods, or like a, a shark in the ocean. They tag you and they follow you. You know what I mean? To do the research on you. Like I think I don't think the research ends that night. I think that you, they bring you in, they check you out for whatever, do their deal, and then they 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 they, they, they tag themselves to you somehow. They let you go wild, and they still kind of monitor you. Monitor you. You know what I mean? Um, a subject named Angela described most electrical appliances not working, having a lot of static, like the television and radios. Uh, and she, you know, like the television would just go static. Boom. You know what I mean? Same deal with the radios. 
Another subject named Karen uh, explained a lot of Karens going down ahead of their time, explained how her stereo system would turn on in the middle of the night and then it would actually flip through to my favorite song on the CD. Now, we, we've had a guest on our show, uh, the great Audra Morris, that I believe she had a, a kind of a story like that where she was in a car and a song came on that was like a song between her and I believe her, her late husband or something like that. Um, so that's kind of right there, you know, the paranormal, that, that's very, the paranormal thing, you know what I mean? A spirit type deal. So I'm definitely catching the, 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 you know, the common, the common things they got here, you know, the song would just play and then it would stop and it would turn off. And it, you know, that kind of reminds me a little bit of when I, I was downstairs, uh, once and we had a record, I was playing a record and the record stopped like it, it ran its course and it put the arm went back up and if out of nowhere it just started making this weird noise that was like a almost walkie talkie like thing and i told ray about this when it happened and i i could it, it could be two things it could be a weird frequency that just happened to have picked up from somebody talking on a walkie talkie or a three-way radio or something like that or it was like a paranormal thing, you know what I mean? And it was like, it was one of those things where it's just dead silence and all of a sudden something's in and like everything, you, you stop doing what you're doing and you just kind of look up and you got that moment when you wait for it to happen again, you know what I mean? And it does it and you're just like, and then you hop immediately on the phone with Ray Booten to be like, what's going on here? Uh, definitely one of those deals. And this is, what that, this is what that sounds like, you know what I mean? So I definitely see the line not blurring, you know, um, and, and, and riding it like on a skateboard, grind, grinding it down. One subject even recalled how objects would fly off the shelves without any sign of disturbance, and the electrical system in her house would suddenly blow. These are all big paranormal things, you know what I mean? But what's paranormal is energy, you know what I mean? I think, I think aliens, alien life can control energy. You know what I mean? I think that that's a big part of their thing. That's how they get back and forth from uh, wherever they come from. That's how they can stay unseen. What's your take on that, Rick? Well, I think that if you you go with the energy thing is yeah. that um, and the and the paranormal as well as the alien is that once let's let's say you've been touched by you've come in contact with these aliens and once the brain is changed you suddenly become not only in tune to more things, uh, get some of the, the psychic powers, but you're now also, in a sense, transmitting energy at a different frequency. Yeah. And whereas an alien would be able to control it, a human where it's brand new and it may not even be fully aware cannot control it. Mm. Then it's interfering or, or manipulating electronics lights going on and off, you know, the songs playing. A uh, typical paranormal thing is that uh, as you start to investigate a lot, or particularly if you start, you go and you speak to a lot of psychics or mediums, is that they initially, until they get their handle on it, have a lot of problems with electronics. Mm. They don't work. They don't work right. They seem to have a mind of their own until they control their own energy. So if you've been, uh, your energy's been altered by an encounter with an alien, then that kind of unbridled or uncontrolled energy you're putting off will affect all these things around you. Yeah, I mean, electronics is our most common way of communicating with, you know, these things as well. You know, as far as we know, rec MP3 recorders and all that type of deal and the meters, you know, it's all kind of electrical. So it's kind of electric, the, the electricity, the energy plays a gigantic part. Uh, to get back into what she was saying, what Karen, the second Karen was saying, uh, I had occasions when things would move off the shelf and they wouldn't smash on the floor. They would be able to move from one place uh, very carefully to another. You know, that's telling you something's up. Other times I'd have an enormous electric electrical activity in the house, so much so that it would blow. It would actually trigger the alarm system or trigger things to go on. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's weird. I mean, 
I'm, I've had situations where, like I said, with the record player and with lights and TVs, I've had situations where um, TVs have turned on by themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, I've had situations where I've been watching. This could be a, a, a you know, probably more of a digital thing, so I won't kind of, you know, won't put too much into it. But I've been watching TV, and the whole in the mid show, it would just slow. The volume would just slow down, you know what I mean, and to a, like a, a eerily speaking level, and then like pop back, you know what I mean. Just weird stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so the electricity is huge. You know, these experiences correspond with the research conducted by Stoner and Martin, uh, which usually when you call someone Stoner, it's you, you give them hard times. Which found that 88% of abductees experience poltergeist activity in their homes following. Uh, the contact. Now, 68% of them reported malfunctions in electrical equipment, such as computers, radios, and televisions. Uh, eight, some of them reported also uh, light bulbs turning off and on, street, street lights blinking when they walked underneath them, and hands on their watches spinning. Now, that's a lot of crazy things to happen. You think you believe all them off the top of your head? You believe all those to be true? I think watch the, the arm, the hand on the watch spinning is very Hollywood. The light blinking is even very Hollywood. You know what I mean? Um, light bulbs going off and on. Like if they if they go off and on, it, it, it could almost be a bad bulb. But that's kind of a little Hollywoodish. But like I said, I've been in rooms where lights have turned on. I've been in rooms where TVs have turned on. So I'm not naysaying. I just think it's very. It's one of those things where, like, I've even witnessed it, and I still naysay people because it's still it was so hard. You, you still want you, you don't know if it's electricity or if it's actually something paranormal. You know, it's in the field. It's hard, yeah. yeah, it's hard to tell the difference, but all of those things involve a form of energy, so it's a right. possibility. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, the the hand on the watch spinning is a classic. That was like probably in the first ever haunted you know haunted house movie from like. 1903 probably where they look at the watch and the hands spinning on it but i'm with it i ain't gonna hate on it no more i give it respect the connection between alien abductions and poltergeist activity became so apparent during martin and stoner's research that they decided to measure the electro electromagnetic fields of their subjects uh, they used the tri-field natural emf meter to measure the surrounding environment and the bodies of the abductees within four days of an abduction as well as the bodies of a control group. So, yeah, that's the, if you get them within the four days, I mean, these are people that come forward immediately. I mean, uh, you know, there was those people that they didn't remember until they had, they had like therapy and it came out, you know what I mean? Um, I'd be, I'd like to see a numbers chart of how many people actually come forward immediately. How many people forget, you know what I mean? I can't, Imagine people popping out immediately. I feel like that's something you sit with for a little bit and you go, wait a sec, should I, do I want to tell people because they think I'm crazy? Um, uh, do I want to tell people because these things might come back and kill me now because I'm not supposed to talk about this? You know what I mean? There's a lot of elements to it that are kind of, uh, would make you not really want to rush in and talk, talk about it. You know what I mean? So I thought four days is weird, you know. The data suggested that the electromagnetic field of these abductees was significantly higher than the ambient environment in the control group following an alien encounter. Although the sample size was too small to make definitive conclusions, the findings correspond with research undertaken by Professor Ring at the University of Connecticut, who found that many abductees report a heightened sensitivity to electromagnetic fields. What's your take on that one? Well, if you're, uh, well, we're, our whole body is an electrical field. Right. We, we know that. We know that. I mean, you take the electrical impulses in a brain synapse, the pulse, in electrical impulses that control the heart muscle. I mean, we're an energy in an electrical field ourselves. Yeah. It makes sense that if you have a certain degree of awareness or you've been opened up, so to speak, to a certain degree, you're going to become even more sensitive to other fields that interact with yours yeah so you're you are going to be able to feel that and you're going to be able to respond to it it'll have an impact on you 
that might also go to be where they say their people are more sensitive to their environment. They're feeling more mm-hmm. on a uh, on an energetic or vibrational level to things or the things around them that also have energy. Yeah. And uh, so a strong elect- electromagnetic field will have a different effect on them than someone who is completely closed, who's never had an experience to open them up, so to speak. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. You know, many UFO researchers believe there is a fundamental connection between extraterrestrials and electromagnetism. UFO researcher Chris Line believes that there's a direct line. Uh, he believes that the extraterrestrial beings are vibrational in nature and therefore possess the ability to conceal themselves within the infrared part of the electromagnetic spectrum. What do you think of that? Well, that's, that's kind of interesting because if you yeah. use infrared and let's say you're on a uh, ghost investigation and you can get an image coming through on the infrared that's not there to the naked eye. Now, we automatically assume, oh, that's a ghost. Suppose it's not a ghost. Suppose it is an alien. And they kind of disappear quickly because they pick up that you're reading them on that infrared. So they kind of like phase shift their energy and they suddenly disappear. Yeah. Uh, The author Ann Drufel also believes that since reality is ultimately electromagnetic, very close-up sightings, and particularly those which involve uh, paralysis, abductions, and other unpleasant experiences, might be a form of interdimensional source coexisting with our Earth. I vibe with interdimensional stuff, and I do think that, you know, an alien life that could come through space from space or whatever, I think they've mastered interdimensional travel as well. Uh, maybe they even come from there directly, and maybe space is just space and nothing else. And everything that we interact with, like a UFO or an alien, comes from a different dimension. It's very possible. You know what I mean? There are some schools that thought that um, what they work with is that every, everything is on a vibrational or energy level. And we are, in this form, as human beings, we're stuck in a third dimension. So by raising your vibrational level, your energy level you can access the fourth, fifth, and even higher dimensions. And reality or your perception of it changes as you raise your vibration and experience those different dimensions. There's nothing to say that what we perceive as aliens aren't actually beings from one of those dimensions. That all they would have to do is lower their vibration temporarily so we can interact with them. And then go back to their natural state of a higher vibration. Yeah. It's true, you know. You know, if these extraterrestrial beings exist as purely energetic form of consciousness, it may be possible for them to interfere with the electromagnetic fields produced by physical objects as well as the human mind and body. Poltergeist activity could be a representative of the same extraterrestrial intelligence encountering during alien abductions, but merely manifestation in a different form. This would make sense considering that many abductees claim extraterrestrials have the ability to shapeshift and assume a variety of physical and non-physical forms. Now, I know that definitely the poltergeist, because in poltergeist situations, you know, there's certain people um, that feel that that's all like a mental like a mental health thing and by the, by the telepathically like that, they're all doing it themselves. Like there's no alien involved. There is no spiritual form involved. It's just literally the human mind, like figuring out a way to open up something that doesn't get opened up and like making things happen. What, what, what do you think about that? That it's just the, the human mind and maybe I guess the will of the human mind to, to conjure up something like that. Um, I'd have to say that they're almost, that's almost a contradiction. Yeah. If you have a human mind that can open up enough to cause physical manifestations, move things around and do something, whether it's because they have a trauma and they're generating a lot of energy and they can't control it, or there are disciplines that work at controlling that. Yeah. But if you have that capability and if you're saying, okay, the human mind can go beyond this world, it can send out energy and it can move things around but it can't be an alien 
as soon as you say that first one, you're opening the door that it can be something else. Yeah. Because you're automatically admitting that that energy goes out and can manipulate matter. And matter is nothing but energy slowed down or right. vibration slowed down. So you're buying into the first half of the equation and denying the second half. And you actually set up the whole equation by saying a human can do this. But no, no, there's no but in there. You've got to leave that out of the door, at least open as a possibility. Mm. Because you just had a person step outside of the normal three-dimensional world and do something that supposedly we can't do, manipulate energy, manipulate objects, and you can't suddenly put the brakes on when it's inconvenient for, for your point of view. You have to leave the door open. Right. It's true. You, know, you got that right, brother. You got that right. Um, as well as all those telepathic uh, stuff they can do, they also have the powers of healing. You know, add that to the, the gauntlet of things that you're able to do uh, after being touched by the alien. Uh, during his research, Simon Bryan Harvey Wilson, our friend with four names, found that many of his subjects developed healing abilities after prior to subsequent to contact. You know what I mean? Which is very interesting. Um, I don't know. Healing abilities, I would have to hear more about what these abilities are. But uh, one subject named Patricia explained how her encounter with extraterrestrials resulted in her becoming a holistic healer. Now, Ray, are you familiar with the holistic healer? I'm familiar with Reiki, you know, um, and when you were talking about how these people became healers, if you're alternate, if you're altering their energy, yeah, then they can use that energy to heal. Reiki is is energy healing, right? It's the energy, the energy and the healing of the universe that you di- you learn to direct and manipulate to heal people. So this could happen, let's say, without uh, training, but it could begin to happen to somebody who was again, opened up by their encounter. Yeah. They can start channeling this energy and they found a way or choose to channel it in a positive way and that positive way is healing. And that's what Reiki is. It's channeling energy to heal somebody. The practice of Reiki has probably been around forever, I'm assuming, right? Uh, Not forever. Uh, A long time, I know, ancient. Most common around here is Japanese. It is old. But we're not talking about thousands and thousands of years either. I know I've heard. I started hearing a lot more about it within like the last ten years. It's kind of become. It's kind of got more into the pop culture, big grand scheme of things, a little bit more. You know what I mean? Uh, it has. You're probably going back with me, probably at least maybe twenty years. Yeah. And it's been that long since I went through the, the different steps of became a Reiki master and teacher. But it, it, with me, it was about 20 years ago when I was introduced to it. Yeah. Energy. Uh, she claims to now have the ability to pick up information about where trauma has occurred or where energy blocks are in the body that may have manifested. What information that emotion is held in that uh, or the trauma that is held in a body of those areas. You said that's a lot like right, the Reiki thing a little bit, right? Uh, very much moving energy and blockages and allowing the body to heal itself. Yeah. Uh, another subject named Angela claimed that she developed healing abilities after she was abducted by aliens as a teenager and uh, could now pick up on people's feelings uh, and emotions and thoughts. That's kind of like an empath type deal, right? Yep. And it's kind of like they're just doing using two different terms for the same deal and uh, see where they had problems like diseases in their bodies. Now an empath, the empath, can they feel like a super empath might be able to feel a disease grown in somebody's body. And then there's like, I guess would be more of a lower level to it where they just kind of feel people's feelings. Is there, is there like a branch of that where you could feel if someone was sick? There is. I wouldn't call it an upper or lower. Everybody has slightly slight variations on the empathic okay. abilities. But uh, being able to feel that something's not right with somebody, and then uh, if you're comfortable and work with those abilities, then you can hone it down to whether they're physically sick or it's an emotional issue. Right. So, yeah, you, you can feel it. I'm with it. Um, and it, you know, even, even just emotionally sick will eventually make you physically sick anyways. Um, these accounts correspond with the research undertaken by the renowned psychiatrist and writer Johnny Mack. 
um, from 19, born in 1929, died out in 2004. Rest in peace. Uh, he, he interviewed hundreds of uh, abductees as part of the government-sponsored research project into the extraterrestrial phenomena. I always like to make note whenever the government sponsors a research project into something. You know what I mean? Uh, he found that a significant percentage of abductees developed hailing abilities after contact, as well as a greater connection with people, animals, and nature. I think that's kind of the we're all, we're all linked together type thing. We're all one, we're all one. Everything, or you know, the whole earth we live on, the animals, everything is all one energy. Um, I think that's the overall. Um, that's kind of like big picture stuff. It's almost like people have an epiphany and they go, Ooh, there's a bigger world than me just going to work and doing this and that and my ego and stuff. And I think them having that epiphany, maybe they, uh, they have to say that it was given to them from somebody else and that they're, they didn't just have it. You know what I mean? It could go that way. And it could be that, uh, if they had that encounter, it woke them up to see that. Mm. Agreed. Now, this corresponds with the research undertaken by Stoner and Martin, who found that 50% of abductees were able to hail others for a short period of time following an alien abduction. And uh, the 2% possessed hailing abilities from a young age. Martin states that many subjects reported having their vibrational frequency raised during an abduction, which was apparently connected to the development of hailing abilities. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. You think it's something rubbed? You think something rubbed off on them from the pe- from whoever had them, or do you think they were given something that almost it, it faded on them? But you think they were given something, or kind of they were almost infected with it being around them? Um, I think that basically it, these things could have been given to them. I think that the interaction with aliens or other beings triggered something inside them to be able to do this. Yeah. There's one thing. There's one thing about there's mentioned in there that certain people were healed for a period of time. Yeah. Um, there's one thing, one of the main principles in Reiki is that the healing will not take unless you want it to. You have to accept the healing. Yeah. So you can get a very temporary kind of feel better thing, which will fade if you don't really accept that healing. I guess, yeah, you're right with that. Because I was going to say, I think it's interesting that, like, they, when they come back, they almost had the power to heal, but it kind of faded. You know what I mean? And that what you just said right there is when they don't accept it and handle it appropriately, I think you're right. That then it kind of disappears. It's almost like when they go, okay, I come down, and they go, oh, I want to make the world a better place, and then they throw their trash out their back window, you know what I mean, instead of actually recycling and trying to make the world a better place or whatever. Um, so yeah, they're not living it. They're saying they want this to be this thing, but they're not living it. So they lost it. And that's almost like a metaphor for life. You know what I mean? In the overall. Uh, well, I, I, I agree. I agree with that. Another dimensional I'll add in there is any particular skill, whether yeah. you're an athlete or any other thing is that once you stop practicing mm-hmm. or once you start believing it, stop believing in your ability or stop practicing, you're no longer as good at it. Right. And it starts to fade and fade and fade. You have to embrace it and you have to work at it. Yeah. And then you can, you can expand it and you can get better. But as soon as you start uh, not believing and not practicing or not working with it, you start to lose it. It's the same thing with psychic abilities, healing abilities. I believe it's all the same. Yeah. It's a muscle that you have to keep flexed, you know, keep working it out. Uh, the religious historian Marseille Allade talks about how the shaman frequently sees and consults with his guardian spirit. Uh, has it help him, and he uses it to help others to recover from illness and injury. Comparing shamanism and the strangeness of alien encounters, uh, shamans and abductees could easily could be easily uh, essentially communicating with the same benevolent alien intelligence that in certain cases aims to physically, emotionally, and spiritually hail humans. You got, you got an opinion on that one? Um, yeah. I think it, it can be the same thing depending upon your definition. We tend to think of aliens as simply, you know, either greys or greens right. stepping off a spaceship as an interdimensional, interdimensional being. <coughs> Excuse me. On a different, 
vibrational level, then you're talking about the same thing that a shaman may work with or someone may may uh, encounter uh, in what they call an alien abduction. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's one of those things. You know, much research has been undertaken into the psychological makeup of abductees to assess whether certain personality traits increase the probability of individuals experiencing paranormal occurrences. While these studies are valuable from the scientific perspective, they do not say anything meaningful about the experience itself. If paranormal occurrences are real but can only be experienced by certain personality types, it would make sense that abductees share a common psychological profile. This does not make their experience invalid or delusional in any way, however. It's almost like if they could sense that they were an empath. You know, certain people don't, that are, you know, are empaths don't even realize it, so they wouldn't even know that that was the time, but maybe there is some weird spiritual reason why they pick certain people. From a, philosoph a philosophical perspective, all sensory experience is a is meditated through the psychology of the mind. If you placed a highly attentive individual in the middle of a city, they would notice certain faces, objects, and buildings uh, that other people might not notice. This does not mean that they are wit they are witnessing. Uh, this does not mean that what they are witnessing is purely imaginary. Rather, their psychological uh, predisposition enables them to experience a wider range of sensory input than the ordinary, if you will, person. In this sense, it could be argued that abductees are more likely to experience paranormal phenomena because they are more perceptive, insightful, and open to such experiences. Uh, empirical science may never be able to explain the relationship between alien abductions and the paranormal if these experiences are representatives of a reality that exists outside of the ordinary boundaries of the sensory perception. As many UFO researchers have noted, the idea that abductees are communicating with entities from other worlds cannot be entirely dismissed. We can't do that either. We wouldn't. We would never do such a thing. Uh, the UFO researcher Nick Pope suggests that the idea of abductions being explained in terms of our reality interacting with other realities must be considered. It's very true. Uh, if abductions are taking place, then it is possible that those responsible might come from another dimension or parallel universe. Uh, writer C.D.B. Bryan, also, that's our boy with three names again, also believes that there might exist simultaneously uh, other realities. Further, that it is during or within some sort of overlapping of these realities that an alien abduction occurs. In the same sense, the relationship between alien abductions and the paranormal might be explained through the existence of other dimensional realities, which abductees are able to access through altered states of consciousness. Now, consciousness is the whole damn thing. You know, a lot of people, they say, that's it. That's everything. That's God, aliens, everything is the consciousness. You know what I mean? That's the top of the pile. Uh, what's your take on that? Um, I think that once you do raise your vibrational level, once you do open yourself up and realize you are more than just this body or this life, the nine to five job, etc., then you start to access what some people would call other dimensions. And whether it be communicating with spirit guides, whether communicating with people who have passed in the spirit, and potentially if you're talking about an interdimensional interdimensional being an alien then that communication that interaction is possible and if it does happen because let's say you are what i call a natural but you don't realize it well if you're a natural that doesn't realize it and you're vibrating at a higher level it's almost like there's a beacon over your head calling them yeah because they are on that higher vibrational level. They will recognize it. You are the person they're likely to communicate with. You are the person they're likely to abduct, so to speak, yeah. if you're going to use that. And that experience will open you up even farther. So now you're doing all of the other things as well. Because that, that little beacon, that uh, potential that you had and was showing that drew them to you, they kind of turn the uh, turn the juice up on that, so now you're re now you're reacting at a different level, and that different level can include other dimensions. 
Yeah. I mean, strictly speaking, if you people, uh, when you speak to the uh, medium speaks that are dead, mm -hmm. uh, you can consider the spirit world another dimension that exists right alongside of us. I've always taught that when I used to teach classes. It's there. It's right there all the time, right next to us, that dimension. You can open up the, you can open up, tap into it, talk to them, get the wisdom from them, interact. It's just another dimension. And there's nothing to say that aliens aren't uh, other beings operating on another one of those vi vibrational dimensions and they can awaken that ability to touch those dimensions in the people that they touch. Yeah. You know. The idea there are multiple dimensions is increasingly supported by modern science as well as mostly ghostly, particularly in the field of quantum physics. In 1957, Princeton graduate Hugh Everett III proposed the many worlds interpretation uh, of quantum mechanics as means by which to resolve the wave function collapse problem. The wave function is a mathematical expression of all potential states of a subatomic system, which is very uh, every which has every possible location of a quantum particle. One cannot attribute the greater degree of reality to one state over any other. They all exist as a mathematical potential, uh, potentialities until they are measured by a conscious observer, at which point the wave function collapses and the single state becomes observable. This poses a problem in regard to what defines measurement and why the act of observation affects reality at a subatomic level. In order to resolve this problem, Everett theorized that when, when a measurement is made, one outcome occurs in the universe that we are currently occupying, and another occurs in an alternate universe. In the sense, there are many different universes not different from our own, in which all possible outcomes occur. That's a very weird way to look at things, like... Like, uh, like there's another universe where me and Ray didn't do an episode of Mostly Ghostly today, but everything else was the same. That's a very clogged up dimension. We're in a very you think that uh, you think overpopulation is a problem just here. Woo! You know what I mean? Um, the multiple. Okay, here, here. Yeah. Now, uh, I was going to say, okay, you take a major artery, yeah, running out of the heart. Okay, you've got the blood going. Now it goes down to smaller ones that start branching out. Each one of those branches is a choice. Mm. And then it goes to a smaller one until you, you get into the, the capillaries, the tiniest of little things that feed the cells. Yeah. But each time there's a branch, think of or even a branch on a tree. You got the you got the main piece coming out, but each time someone makes a choice, there's still that main branch. Right. But Okay, this little branch goes out, and this life continues with that choice where they said yes. And then another branch goes out where it goes no. And then another shoot comes out because later on they said yes. And another shoot comes out over here because they said no to something. And pretty soon you have that big full tree. Yeah. But with all of the possibilities and all of the choices existing simultaneously, just as all of the branches live simultaneously connected to the, connected to the trunk. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like dimension-wise, I feel like like our dimension that we're in now, we it's like the free will deal where we're living that out as is. You know what I mean? Where like there like there's not another dimension. I don't feel there's another dimension that happened exactly the same. Except me and Ray didn't do mostly ghostly today, but I do believe that there's other dimension with other beings and entities in it, and they do cross over. I, I just think it's because then it's like. Then you go into it was like, is there a dimension where everything happened except I took three sips of that water instead of four? Like that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of hard drive right there. We'll, we'll put, I'll put it like that's a lot of hard drive to hold on to. Um, you know, the multiple worlds theory has since been developed by the scientist. And in 2014, uh, physicist Michael Hal Dirk. Andre Deckert and Howard M. Wiseman published an academic paper entitled Quantum Phenomena uh, Modeled by Interaction Between Many Classical Worlds. Very long title. That will not be one of the names of our albums, right? 
in which they propose that there are infinite numbers of universes that overlap one another and occupy the same region of space-time simultaneously. Furthermore, uh, multidimensionality is a key component of string theory, which proposes that subatomic particles are comprised of multidimensional strings or string loops. As modern science finds more evidence for the existence of multiple universes, the interdimensional explanation of alien abductions and their connection to the paranormal starts to make a lot more sense. You know what I mean? As the American uh, ethnobotanist, mystic, and psychonaut Terence McKenna, ah boy, rest in peace, observed, uh, if you take the broad world of the so-called mysteries, parapsychological, uh, parapsychological, shamanic, extraterrestrial, and so forth, and hypnothesis, another spatial dimension, then all these mysteries become trivial. This sort of thing becomes quite the ordinary run of things if we're, uh, if the hypnothesis dimensions hidden from ordinary experience. As one can see, I fucked that up hugely, but we're going to roll out anyways and pretend I said it okay. Uh, There's a close relationship between alien abductions and the paranormal. The research undertaken by Simon Bryan, Harvey Wilson, our forenamed pal, Denise Stoner, gets a bad rap, Kathleen Martin, and John E. Mack suggest that many abductees experience poltergeist activity and develop healing abilities. They also experience a greater connection with friends, family, and environment as part of the wider spiritual transformation. Uh, we've talked about that like 40 times in this show. I apologize. They keep, uh, the aliens keep wanting me to bring it up. While scientific materialists might claim that abductees are more prone to paranormal experiences because of their neurology, this argument is redundant when one considers that all sensory experience originates in the brain. Just because a phenomenon has a neurological explanation does not make it invalid or implausible. An intriguing explanation for alien abductions in the paranormal is that they reflect alternate dimensions existing outside the ordinary boundaries of sensory perception. From the perspective, the brain operates much like a television set and can tune into different frequencies of reality. While this theory may seem absurd, modern science is finding increasing evidence for the existence of multiple dimensions. The many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics as well as the theatrical framework of string theory suggests that there are multiple universes overlapping each other within the same region of space and time. Uh, it's true. That is definitely true. And if abductees are able to somehow access these parallel worlds and communicate with beings of an interdimensional nature, or indeed extraterrestrials are breaking through into our world, then paranormal phenomena could be the result of interacting with these alternate dimensions. Through lack of sleep, the demons will come get you. <laughs> There's a documentary on Boombastic Media's YouTube page called Insomniac. Go check it out right now. That's why we're always pushing the media page for you guys. But, yeah, I think that kind of comes to the end of our journey a little bit with that. Um, I'm big into the dimensional things when it comes to all these all these situations. And you've got these crypto things like your Bigfoots and your, your Pugawudgies and any assortment of creature that you can find in the woods or they talk about, um, you know, chupacabras and, you know, shapeshifters and, you know, shadow people. Are these these are all. I think they all have their own dimensions that they come from, and there's crossover things. And whatever, I don't exactly know what the formula to the crossover is. I think there's probably more than one. That's you know, there's you got to have for someone who's sensitive to that type of deal. Um, it probably in the right place at the right time, uh, right day. You know, everything's got to be lining up for it. And those things cross over, kind of like the portals, like when, to bring it all the way back to the beginning, kind of, but not, you know what I mean? Like Ray was saying. And, uh, but yeah, I definitely think that it's a, a, a dimensional thing, you know what I mean? So my take on aliens in the paranormal, the crossover of them both, I, I think that they're two different things, personally. Ray, what do you think? 
Yeah. Do you think that uh, aliens and the paranormal are two different things? I think that like alien life, I think like the the grays and the greens and all that, like you were saying. I think paranormal in the sense of not really knowing what it is. Spiritual, it's an energy thing. Yeah, it's a weird take, you know what I mean? On paper, the question on paper seems simple, but it's a lot harder to answer. Um it's energy to go back to what I said before. I do think it's an energy thing and I think it's dimensional. That's my new answer. And I'll throw it over to Ray to kill it off. Ray's got good. <laughs> got a good answer. Let's hear Ray's good answer. Well, I don't know if it's a good answer, but answer, I like uh, it. Already. <laughs> what, what I go back to, and there are several disciplines that do it. One of them, yeah. uh, um, I, I explored and kind of, actually I do embrace. I'll say that up front is that when you work at raising your own vibration, your own energy, you transcend this 3D dimension. Yeah. As you rise and you see a perspective from a different dimension, and you look back, you see the interconnectedness of everything. You see that you're not separate from, that you are connected in multiple dimensions, on multiple levels with the rest of existence, with the rest of the universe. Yeah. And as you raise your vibration, you get you see that, you come to know that. And that opens up the doors for all of these experiences. Because you, you see how everything is interconnected, everything overlaps, and everything is one. It's just our perspective from this lower dimension that uh, we don't see how it's all tied together and how it overlaps. Um. If you're looking at, I'll give an example of, of what I consider an overlap. And uh, if you're looking at if you're looking at dimensions, whether it has to do with going through time and accessing something uh, in the time or memory, but I, I tend to think it was more like uh, being able to see something in a different time. I was doing uh, some mediumship with somebody, mm-hmm. and I was asking the person in spirit to put. Again, the spirit world is a different dimension that is all around us. It's not really separate from us. It's part of ours. We just can't see it. And I found myself standing there, and this was a gallery. The people in front of me kind of faded out. And I had an awareness they were there, but I found myself standing in the kitchen. And I, was start, I could reach out with my hand, and I was starting to describe an oak table in front of me and counters and this and that. I took a half step. I actually took... In this world, a half step sideways, which is what I did when I was standing in that kitchen to peek into a living room. And I saw a rocking chair, and it was an old style that had the magazine rack on the side. But I was standing in the middle of it, looking around, describing it. And when I finished describing it, it all faded away, and then the people were in front of me again. And the person I was giving this message to, because I was talking about her grandmother and the house, and stuff like that was sitting there with their mouth open because I had just taken taken a walk through their grandmother's house. Yeah. And afterwards, that they, they were they were saying how hot all the details. It was like you were there, and I was telling them I was there. She let me be there. Yeah. But that was access to another dimension, another reality that existed when the grandmother was alive that the grandmother being in that other dimension the spirit world took me to yeah and i was a i was able to experience and then relay that while i was doing it just speaking out loud of everything i saw and i was touching things etc <coughs> and yeah do i believe that it is all one creation with multiple dimensions they interact we can uh whether it's through the work we put into it ourselves or whether we're touched by an outside force and that could be what we call an alien raise our our vibration and become aware of all of these dimensions yes and some people on this planet in this dimension are going to say oh that's paranormal yeah oh that's a ghost oh it's it's uh same thing different name it's all it's all the same mm-hmm. it's the multiple dimensions we access them with our energy the spirits from the other side through their energies uh 
communicate with us and show us things. And that can be whether it's an alien, whether it's someone who's passed, but we have access to all these other dimensions if we stop our limited three-dimensional thinking and open ourselves up. Yeah. I agree with you completely, as usual. You know what I mean? Your answer was a lot better than mine, as usual. You know what I mean? But uh, I follow suit with you. You know what I mean? Um, So... For everybody out there listening, we thank you all for listening. Um, if you happen to find yourself in a place where uh, where fucking you're uh, you're in a different dimension and you see some alien life or some paranormal, I want you to send us a postcard at Mostly Ghostly and let us know what you see and let us know what the true reality is um, because we're always looking for the true reality. We're grasping it. We're trying to hold it in our hands, and it's like sand sometimes. It just runs through your fingers. But uh, with that being said, thanks for listening. You know, we hope you guys are having a a good week out there. The holidays are fast approaching, and uh, we should be having a holiday episode coming your way soon, I think. If not, I'll have to cut this out of the episode. But uh, let's all hope that we're all on track together, and I won't even have to do no editing on this. You know what I mean? Hallelujah, Halibut. All right. We love everybody out there in the mostly ghostly world. If you like this episode, check out more wherever you're hearing this. Go subscribe to the Boombastic Media YouTube page. There's ghostly things coming to that ASAP. You don't want to be late to the game on that. Picture it like a line. Everybody stands in the line. But we're so cool. When it's go time, we let everybody in at once. But don't you want to know that you were one of the first people? Don't you want to know you were one of the first fans of Mostly Ghostly? Just to subscribe to Boombastic Media to be there when the ghostly stuff started rolling in. I know I would, and uh, I know you do too. So much so I won't even bring up Patreon. I'll have the respect of not even bringing up Patreon this episode for y'all. And uh, check us all out on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. Bye-bye.